Because we live in a Puritan police state, we are obliged to inform you that we may sometimes use explicit language. Visit our website at wihhw.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, see guest links and information, and some fancy extras. Also, check us out on Facebook at, at What I Had Heard Was, and Instagram at What I Had Heard. And if you really want to get something off your chest, shoot us an email at what I had heard was at gmail.com. Now that you've been informed, <laughs> things are about to get weird. So I have a cold. I don't usually sound like this. I actually, I think I got strep. So we're both, uh, maybe we'll like cancel each other out here. You're like real sore throat. And... Yeah, real sore throat. I've had a splitting headache in this cough that like every time I cough, it feels like my head's cracking open, which is not ideal. It's not. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you on that. Welcome and thank you for being here with me. Can you tell everybody who you are and what your show is about? Sure. Um, hi, thanks for having me. My name is Brendan. I am an ex-chef. I have a show called Unchefed that I basically started during the pandemic because I felt like the pandemic sort of exposed a lot of problems with the industry. So it was going to be like the super whiny, like <laughs> workers' rights kind of show, which is still really close to my heart, but people just didn't give a shit. Oh, I'm yeah. you, uh, do you allow cursing on your show? Is that a... Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, people didn't give give a shit about all that. Quite so, much. so I was like, okay, how do we how do we get people involved in these food conversations on like a more practical level? So it turned from you know talking about workers' rights and something that you know people that worked in kitchens could really sympathize with into kind of the politics and history of food and how American policy is sort of written with. Uh, agriculture and distribution in mind and how you can't separate agriculture and distribution from food. Uh, mm -hmm. Plus we have like a lot of fart jokes. <laughs> keep it, try to keep it. I really enjoy the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoy yours as well. So Christmas, where does that fall on your list of favorites? Top, bottom, somewhere in the middle? Uh, honestly, pretty close to the top. I think because it's the holiday that actually has a season. I don't know if the holiday itself is quite as big of a deal to me as the fact that it's just this entire season yeah i enjoy i enjoy christmas i think like equal parts annoys me and i love it you know that love-hate relationship i think that's most people because there's always this subtext behind it like people are trying to claim it like it belongs to you know americans or it belongs to christians or it belongs to uh, I don't know, whoever whoever wants to claim Christmas. I feel like there's been a war for the soul of Christmas since I was young enough to understand <laughs> you know, what that what that actually meant, like what that entailed. And this fictitious war against Christmas. Yeah. Um, so what's your favorite holiday memory? I'm assuming we're talking about Christmas here. We're not talking about Christmas. President. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite Arbor Day memory? I saw this tree. It was pretty cool. Uh, so my favorite memory—I've—I've I've thought about this. You—you you gave me these questions ahead of time, so I could not 
sound like an idiot and actually be prepared. <laughs> um, I, I think that the conclusion that I drew is that I don't have a single favorite memory per se, but the thing that really stands out to me is I have a couple of friends that are um, uh, up here in the New York area with me and my wife. We're all from Alabama, but we all ended up up here. And every year we get together and decorate all these stupid little cheapo ornaments with like Sharpies and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And they're all like really stupid. It's not like, this is not like the pin pinnacle of artistry or anything, but they're all just like super cheesy and corny. And every year we've got extra ones to hang out from like a previous year. And we're like, oh, you remember this one? Oh, you remember this one? And like the act itself is never that fun, but there's like this compounding factor of doing it every year. And like you, you literally take the box of the ornaments that we've done uh, in years past out and like go through the whole it's like hey you remember this one hey you remember this one and the memory of it yeah so this so this tradition of doing the ornaments i think collectively would be my favorite memory so when we do that again this year that will inevitably be my favorite memory and then we'll oh yeah the year after that that will inevitably be my favorite memory <laughs> pays dividends did you, did you do you enjoy christmas more now or when you were a child do you think um that's a i guess that's a tough one it's it really kicked kicked a lot of ass as a child because you got to take a lot of school off <laughs> and that's like i think i can't think of being happier in my adult life than when i got like a a stretch of time off in like you know grade school and that's not to say there aren't a lot of things to be happy about in my adult life it's just like you have this pure enjoyment as a kid and you're like, wow, I've got two weeks off. is like the best, it's like the best thing in the world, you know? Like eternity off as a kid. Yeah. Like under, yeah. Under this impression, you just don't have to do anything for a while and people are going to be giving you chocolate constantly. <laughs> I mean, that's a win any day of the year. Yeah. And now I'm like an adult and I can buy my own chocolate and I can, you know, it's, it's not as exciting. Um, did you do anything different for Christmas during quarantine? Yes. Yes. And uh, I think that it's, it's okay. So it's not that we did anything different for Christmas specifically, but we did move from the city. We had been living in the city for, I had been living in the city for about 10 years. I've been a chef the entire time. And when the pandemic hit, it was, it's just like the historically the worst year in, in like the entire, like you take restaurants as a concept and mm -hmm. back as far in time as they've been a concept. And this is the worst year, like 2020 was the worst year for restaurants. Uh, and consequently me and my wife were like, Hey, you want to just go, <laughs> you want to just like, you want to just get out of here. So we moved up to uh, the Catskills and we've got, we go from living in Brooklyn in a pretty populated area to living in the woods where, you know, I see more deer on a daily basis than people. And yeah. uh, there's also a lot more snow. So I think just the change of environment and the fact that the actual weather is different kind of constitutes for you know, a holiday change. And interesting fact, I live right next to the town. Honesdale, Pennsylvania is right on the other side of the bridge from me, where uh, the song Walking in a Winter Wonderland was actually based on that town. So they get like nice. They get super into the Christmas season because it's kind of like a part of their their heritage. 
you gonna pop over there this year oh, yeah totally yeah <laughs> that'll be good stuff you get to do anything else new this year uh not really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we got a kid who was just trying to keep her happy she's like why don't i get to see my friends as often as i would like <laughs> here's a toy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um what's the best gift you've ever gotten and or oh, oh and worse let's go for both best gift hands down my father-in-law gave me a 1973 Rickenbacker bass, which is the same bass guitar that uh, Paul McCartney used. It's not like his famous violin bass, but it's one of the one of the models that he used. It's the same model that like Lemmy from Motorhead <laughs> uses, which is which is cool. I like. Uh, I just I just I just thought that was a really great gift. It's a it's an incredible one of a kind guitar. It's it's kind of iconic. So that was easily I think the best gift that I've ever gotten. Uh, the worst gift. My parents got me a clipboard one year. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, I was like 26 or something. Well, who doesn't want a clipboard, right? They're super useful, but it's another one of those. Like, you know, I can like get this when I need it. <laughs> like, this isn't like I'm not. I can afford this. <laughs> it's like I think that when it comes to Christmas gifts, what you're trying to do is get something that's like not what the person would get for themselves, you know? And I right. I got clipboards all the time because like I'm I'm a spreadsheets clipboard guy. It's kind of what made me successful in the kitchen, you know, outside of amazing culinary repertoire. Uh, I always had a clipboard that I was like keeping track of stuff with. And I think in my parents' head, they were just like, hmm, he really does like that clipboard. Maybe he wants another one. <laughs> because of course. Yeah so yeah do you have a favorite christmas song um i i think my favorite christmas song is probably carol of the bells and and let me tell you why do you remember the first home alone movie where uh -huh. playing carol of the bells and he's like at the church and then he remembers that like he's got to go home and defend his house from the burglars and Carol of the Bells is playing in the background and then it kind of goes into this like dire version of Carol of the Bells and then he sits down in front of his like macaroni and cheese to like eat his macaroni and cheese before he has to like fight off the burglars. There was something about the juxtaposition of Carol of the Bells and that macaroni and cheese which to this day that's like the most delicious looking meal that I've ever seen in a movie. Like I don't know what it is. <laughs> like I look at that and like I'm I still I get heartbroken that he doesn't even take a single bite out of it. He's just like sitting there in front of this delicious boss ass looking macaroni and cheese and he's like oh crap <laughs> and then he just runs away from it with Carol of the Bells playing in the background so that's probably the most upsetting scene in a movie ever leaving the macaroni and cheese uneaten i have i found that i'm actually not the only person who feels this like a lot of kids saw that movie and they're like damn what is it that makes that like it looks better than your average macaroni and cheese and i don't know why like i can't put my finger on it but somebody somebody within like the art department for home alone like hit that special sauce <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they need to sell it in stores like Home Alone macaroni and cheese. I wonder if that would be successful. I bet it. I, I feel like it would be. Yeah, I would think so. I, I guess I can't ask you to sing Carol of the Bells. Do you want to sing anything else? Uh, I am um, <laughs> not 
at my optimal right now as far as like trust me i'm a really great singer when i'm not like this but it's just not gonna happen right now <laughs> no i'm joking I'm a, I'm a terrible singer i was actually i was in japan recently with my wife before the pandemic obviously and we did karaoke this one night and you know historically i've loved karaoke because i i'm one of those people that uh feels that charisma is a suitable replacement for talent and uh i'm over there just like belting out we are the world and i'm doing a terrible job um and i know it but like i'm not able to do better so i'm also like i'm not gonna let it get to me and then i hear the host who uh is you know the owner of the bar he's obviously japanese he looks over at my wife and he goes your husband's very foolish yes <laughs> and i was like <laughs> and i was like Oh God! <laughs> like, I wow! I haven't like, I don't think I've sang in public since. So, yeah. Ooh, straight to the heart. I know it hurt. I, I mean, he was he was wonderful. I think I, I think he drank like a whole bottle of Crown Royal with us. He loved Crown Royal. He was just like, oh, America, Crown Royal. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's what associated. Yeah, yeah. He was actually a spokesman for uh, Jack Daniels in Japan too, which was interesting. There was like uh, a couple of advertisements where he's like in a suit holding like this glass of jack daniels and then that's cool you know, japanese characters which i was told meant uh very classy <laughs> very classy which is funny because like i'm from originally the area around where jack daniels was originated and class just isn't the first thing that comes to mind <laughs> not that i'm not that i'm disparaging it i love it that's, that's my culture that's my history but... um well I appreciate you being here. Do you have any parting thoughts? On just life in general? Sure. Life in general, Christmas. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> you ever see wise words. Yeah, wise words. Uh, <laughs> do you ever watch SNL? Are you a fan of SNL? I haven't watched it in years. It's an older one. You know the Barry Gibb talk show back in the, like, I don't think so. And I'm not going to tell the joke because it wouldn't land. It's just not. <laughs> <laughs> I my my brain is really full of like snot and Benadryl right now. So. Well, the, the gist is, I guess I will tell it anyway, even though this is obviously you never do this, right? Like when somebody's like, I don't know the reference point for this joke. Like you usually stop. But I'm a I'm a no. Go for it. Like I'm a foolhardy person. <laughs> all in. <laughs> all in. I'm buying into this joke. Uh, it's not even my joke, so like if anybody if anybody didn't laugh at it, then I don't care. It's not, I didn't write it. Um, yeah, fuck them anyway. Uh, anyways, the Barry Gibb talk show was like, uh, oh god, what's his name? Uh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, mm -hmm. Barry Gibb, and his whole thing is like he's just this aggressive. Like I'm Barry Gibb. This is my show. <laughs> and they talk about like this and whatnot. And every now and then he looks over at his brother who's played, named Robin, uh, Robin Gibb, who's played by Justin Timberlake. He's like, Robin, do you, do you have anything you'd like to add, Robin? He's <laughs> like, he just says, he's like, no. He's like, really, Robin? You want anything on politics? Anyways. Yeah, if you don't laugh at that, that's fine. I don't care. I didn't write that joke. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm laughing. <laughs> Good. That's like really what matters. Like connecting here or laughing over an old SNL bit. <laughs> Absolutely. What more is there in life? Not much. Uh, Not much. What are you having for Christmas dinner? Uh, as far as food is concerned, 
I like to try and get whatever I can from farms in the area. One of the cool things about moving upstate is there are a lot more farms. Um, there is a lady down the road that does turkeys and her turkeys are amazing. So I tend to get, uh, I tend to get a turkey from her for most holidays, but I don't do like the whole roasted turkey. I like to, what I do is I, I kind of come down on the back of the turkey and like separate the shoulders and you can sort of peel off all the meat and take the, the frame out, the, the entire skeleton out. And that way you just have to like separate it at the joints. Um, <clears throat> and then you've got a completely boneless turkey that you can like stuff and roll and then wow. truss up. And since it's like when you truss it that way, it's a complete cylinder, which means that it's like an equal distance to the middle of the turkey from any part of the turkey, which means that it cooks evenly. Like a turkey is a very irregular shape. So, you know, certain parts of it, if you cook it whole in its natural shape, will cook a lot faster than other parts. Like the breast will get hammered before the legs are done, for instance. So, um, but that's a thing that I like to do. It's a it's an old French technique called a ballantine. Um, Sounds fancy. Oh yeah, man. I'm a <laughs> I'm like one of those crass fancy like. I'm a, I'm a country kid from the South who went and got, like, you know, a world-class culinary education. <laughs> For Anna, I have to ask, have you made a turducken? Uh, no, I have actually never made a turducken, but I know how to. I just haven't done it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine it would be that great, but, you know, who am I to say? I would definitely give it a shot. It's just the only way that I would make it would be at home. Like, I haven't done it in any of my restaurants Mm -hmm. and it's an expensive like it's it's expensive for like it's basically like a i don't know for bragging rights i guess is the main reason that you would you would do it but in order to make it like all you'd really have to do is what i was mentioning with the turkey you just do that to all three birds you do that to the the chicken and then the duck and then the turkey and then you take the turkey and then boneless it's like completely open like it's almost like if you've ever seen a spatchcock bird it looks like that without any of the bones uh you know what spatchcock is no but i think it's funny <laughs> it's a great bird right it's when you take the spine out and the whole thing lays flat like if you ever think like barbecue chicken you've probably seen it before the okay yeah term for that is spatchcock um so it looks like that except all the bones are completely out so you lay the turkey down and then you do the same thing with the duck and then you do the same thing with the chicken and then you stuff it and then you roll them all together and just tie them. And then proteins, when they coagulate, they uh, they kind of bind and they sort of adhere to each other a little bit. So um, as long as you tie it properly and maybe like flour it or put a little bit of starch in between each layer, then it'll actually be uh, cohesive. I, I love meat, but this does sound a little bit like a true crime episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a... Oh God, there was a, a thing. We were trying to figure out how to plug it into one of our our recent episodes of Unchefed, our show. <laughs> um, and me and my, my co-host couldn't figure out how to do it, but there was this old Greek recipe that was essentially, you take a single truffle and then you put it inside of a chicken. And then you put the chicken inside of a rabbit and then the rabbit inside of a duck and then the duck inside of a, a turkey and then the turkey inside of a goat and the goat inside of a pig and then the pig inside of a cow. And then you roast everything until basically everything burns away and all you're left with is the truffle. And that's like, 
this was an old Greek like royalty, like special occasion, like recipe. That I'd imagine so. That would take forever. It's basically like I'm rich, bitch. Like that's that's what <laughs> that's what that recipe was, you know. And it was just like the turducken taken to this like almost comedic extreme, you know. Not even not even almost comedic. That's like straight up comedic. Oh yeah, that's ridiculous. It's like watch what I can do. You can picture like the person who's trying to conceptualize that dish. Like, what do you want for dinner? He's like, I want every animal inside of every other animal. But I don't want to actually eat them. I just want them to flavor this really expensive mushroom. <laughs> yep. Seems reasonable to me. The chef's just like, damn it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's do this. Why? Why are you like this? Why do you want this from me? Well, I appreciate you being here. Uh, and what I had heard was we will see you soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Have a great day.